Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. Hi, Steve and Justin. I was wondering if you can explain a little bit about what happens during a 401k rollover. And provides unbiased answers. What really happens is when you own things in that 401k and your old employers, you're usually owning mutual funds. That's the typical thing that you own. Invest Talk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. Hey, great podcast. Yeah, I was listening uh, a couple weeks ago, and Justin said there was going to be a major pullback in the cryptocurrencies. And I was wondering if uh, he would suggest now is a good time to get into it and pick up some. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me for Invest Talk today. It is Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. And of course, on this program and the podcast, we operate with our one mission statement independent thinking and shared success. And we do that because we want to assure you that we'll give you accurate market reporting. We explain the processes that we come to. If you want a total explanation, if we can't do it in the short time we have, I'll do it. Uh, we'll talk about anything you want financial, and we'll help you with any stock or strategy or any question that you might have. That's what we do here. I'm Steve Peasley, and of course, we encourage you to contact us right now. We're live, 4 to 5 Pacific time. You drive the show in the direction you want it to go. As long as it's financial, we'll go that way. In fact, you can call right now. We're live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday, every week. So you can call that after the show and leave your question, and we do have voice bank questions that we will get to. The numbers are always the same, 888-99-CHARTS. Okay, so let's go ahead and get right to the listener line questions. Go ahead. Hi, uh, Dave from Cleveland. Hey, great podcast. Hey, I was listening uh, a couple weeks ago, and Justin said there was going to be a major pullback in the cryptocurrencies between now and the 4th of July. He was spot on, and I was wondering if uh, he would suggest now is a good time to get into it and pick up some. Your thoughts. Thanks. I'll be listening. My problem with cryptocurrency, and I've stated it very clearly many times, is I don't know how to evaluate it. I, I don't know what it's worth. I don't know where it's going. I can tell you it's going to be very volatile. I can tell you that. And it already has been very volatile. The reason why it's very volatile is there's no way to say, okay, this is where it will stop falling because this is the basic value of that company. It won't go much below that value. Well, there is no value. We don't know. So what we have to look at is history and look at the movement of of the cryptocurrency, of Bitcoins especially because it's the biggest and been around the longest. And say, okay, it has fallen to here, bounced up, fallen back down, bounced back up. So, okay, well, now we know some of the parameters, but that means we have to have lots more time. It's got to be years and years and years, decades before we can say, okay, this is what it's really worth. Because there's no way to value it. There's no... So you asked me, should I buy it now? That was a question. Well, you want to take high risk, very, very high risk? Yeah. You always want to buy it on a sell-off. You don't want to buy it at the top. So, But I wouldn't buy it. I would never invest in a cryptocurrency at this point. 
I just don't know. This doesn't make sense to me. I can't figure out the value. Okay, 888-99-CHARTERS-9 number. You can call. Our focus point today is going to be another inflation gauge came in hotter than expected. Jumped 6.2% year over year in April. That's the producer price index, by the way, PPI. So we'll talk about that. My trivia question today centers on the U.S. national debt. It has spiked again. When will uh, when will it be out of control? Is it out of control? Do we have any controls now? Is it out of a control in a situation where we can't rein it in at all ever? Is that now? Yeah, you know, it's something that's if it's if it's spinning out of control, which appears to me that it might be. What are, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen to the stock market? What's going to happen to inflation? What's going to happen to all those things that affect our standard of living? Other topics that I want to discuss. Um, Core Logic, the Case Shiller home price, did you see that? You know, and the national um, home prices, what they went up? We'll have to talk about that. How to find. Your lost or forgotten old 401ks or IRAs. How do you find out if you have any and where do you go? Well, I got a couple of things for you to do. Um, and Social Security top scam in the U.S. There's been 1.3 million of these scams. Uh, and we want, I want to talk about that a little bit. Scams are, you know, getting more and more and more prevalent because more and more and more of us are getting older and the scam artists go after the old people. They go after people that are seniors, like myself, because they think that they're gullible or they're not all with it. And many times that's who they're looking for. They're looking for those people who are, who are failing because those are the ones they can attack and be successful at it. So we gotta we gotta keep our eyes out. We gotta be very diligent about that. Well, what happened to the market today? The Dow was down 82. The Nasdaq was down four, and the SP down nine. So it was a down day, not as bad as uh, you know it could have been. The market struggled for the day, trying to try to stay in the trying to stay in the positive side of the of the line, but it just couldn't hold it. Just could not hold it. So it seems like people were worried a little bit less about inflation today uh, because the market was really trying to trying to bounce again. So I had a bound down day after a couple three days up, which is not you know nothing to really worry about. My focus point today: another inflation gate. So we're going to talk about that. I, I, I you know the Fed has said they think that this current spat of high inflation is just a spat. It's going to come back down. Not so sure about that. I really would like to explore that topic a little bit more. We are headed into a quick break. My phone lines are open. Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. We've already passed the halfway point of the second quarter. The market is constantly changing, and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers. So listen live or download the free Talk podcasts. 
The Invest Talk Anytime listener line never closes. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's take a live call. Let's go to Jose in San Francisco. How are you doing, Jose? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I have a question about Google. Uh-huh. Now, I know there's two. There's Google and there's Google with an L. Right. Um, I'm a long-term investor, and I'd like to know which one's best to invest in. It really doesn't matter. They both will perform the same. Um, uh, Google G-O-O-G is Alphabet Inc. Class C shares. So the, the different classes of shares, which usually means different voting rights and things. But as far as an investor, you, it doesn't really matter. Either one will be fine. They'll, 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 they'll okay. act the same. Okay? Okay. That's a good question because right. it's kind of confusing. You know, it really is. I don't know why they did that. I mean, they had a reason back. Uh, Google L is uh, the uh, it's Alphabet Class A shares. So it doesn't matter which one you invest in. You, you'll perform the same. Okay? Thanks, Jose. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Wes in Washington State. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm well. Thank you for the call. Yes, I was wondering if... Uh... I've got a partial position, symbol S-U-N, and I was wondering what you thought about it. Okay, S-U-N is Sunoco LP. It's a wholesaler, distributor of motor, motor fuels, merchandise, and food food service. Huh, food service to, 70, and to 75 stores. I wonder what that's about. I'd have to look into that, huh? But I always thought they were an energy-type company. It's a $3.54 billion company. Make, it's going to make uh, $4.42 this year, which is up huge from last year. Uh, and then three ninety next year, it's a $35 stock. So the P.E. is pretty darn low, under 8. Okay, return equity is very high, which is very good at 31%. That's very good. They do have a lot of debt, and that's probably the biggest downfall. They pay a huge dividend. But they got a debt service cost, and that's where I would say, well, how much is that? Why do they have so much debt? Um, so I'm just curious. That debt is a thing that I worry about. Uh, the, 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 the stock is going to pay a dividend. It's paid a dividend for a long time. Um, it's just a matter of I would check into the debt and see why they have it. They may have bought something or they're building something, and you know, when you incur debt, to make more money in the future, I have no problem with that. So that was a big issue. I, I, as far as the company is concerned, if I didn't have the debt, everything looks really strong. It's the debt that hold, holds me back. But it's a, I think that's holding the stock price back, too, that debt. Thanks for the call, Wes. I appreciate it. My focus point today concerns a story. Another inflation gauge came in hot. The producer price jumped 6.2% year over year. So... Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, We have the producer price index and the consumer price index. Those are the two things that we have that we're dealing with, right? Um, uh, uh, Consumer price index is how much prices go up to us, me and you, the consumer. Producer price index is how much the companies that make things, what's their input cost? So if they make steel products, how much does it cost for their steel? If they make uh, uh, food products, how much are they costing for the basic food from the 
wholesaler, the farmer, you know, what the input, input, input cost is the PPI. And that is pretty, uh, that's grew six to 6.2%. That's a 12 month annualized inflation rate for the PPI. Okay. Well, our CPI, consumer price, is a four point something. I don't remember exactly, but both those highs are very numbers are very high, way up from the year before. So the Federal Reserve has said they think this is just a partial. This is a short term issue that everything will come back down to earth after you know the economy is roaring and the world gets back to business. And I don't think so. I think just the opposite. I'm disagreeing with them. I think what's going to happen is we've had a well over a year where everybody cut that cut production on everything, and we've messed up all the um, the um, the the chain of you know products getting to you and me on on the shelf. That chain of product development through the system has been interrupted in various ways. Then you put pressure on that chain. Then you put pressure on the demand from the wholesalers. You can't just mine more iron ore to make more steel. You got You know how much time it takes to open up a new mine or increase production in an old mine? You've got to get all the equipment. You've got to get extra people. It's not that fast. It's slow. So that means the goods part is going to be slow and growing, but the economies around the world are probably going to explode fast. And that's the problem I see. I see I see inflation spiking for now, but still continuing going up. But maybe not as fast, but continuing to high pressure on it. Then you add in the excess, super excess spending by the government, that means printing more money, everybody. That makes our money worth less. That's inflationary. Okay, then then look at the look at Case Shuler Home Report today. Came out uh, for the house price went up to thirteen point two percent annualized from twelve. That's a huge increase. Huge. The <laughs> Phoenix area year over year prices went up twenty percent. They were the highest, by the way. Twenty percent year over year up, is that not inflation? <laughs> and can they build new houses? They're building as fast as they can. They can't keep up. So, anyways, I just don't see inflation slowing down. Not, I mean, I see it. Let me rephrase that. I think that we are having a spike in inflation, and I think the spike will calm down, but it will be at a higher rate of growth of inflation. In other words, it's still going to go up, just not as high as it did this spike, but higher than it has in a long time. That's what I think. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. So, give me a call. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your financial, anything, questions that you want to talk about. I'll, I'll be happy to talk about it. 888-99-CHART is our number. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. 
Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. This is Donald. I am from Pennsylvania. I'm interested in a deep value purchase of a stock, CYH, Community Health Systems, has a high institutional ownership. Stock is trading at a relatively low price. But I did see that it seems to really have a wide swath of their corporate operations and was wondering if you could comment on the institutional ownership as a uh, an indication, perhaps, and uh, also your thoughts on their corporate operations in the medical, the healthcare system industry. I'll listen for the answer on the program, and uh, uh, thank you very much for everything you do. Okay, CYH Community Health Systems operates 87 acute care hospitals in non-urban and selected urban markets across 16 states. And to answer your specific question about institutional ownership, 56% uh, of the companies owned by funds or institutions, 7% by management. And more importantly, not, not just how much they own, but they are increasing, they have been increasing their percentage of ownership dramatically. In other words, there were 261 funds or institutions a year ago owning this company. Now there's 339. Okay, that's a a pretty good jump. So more and more are being positive about it. Uh, They're going to make 59 cents this year. Uh, They're going to make 81 cents a share next year. And it's a $13.91 stock. So, yes, it's fairly inexpensive. Um, um, uh, the stock is probably about a 15, 16 PE. Uh, don't look backwards because they made no money in 2019, no money in 2018, but, or 2017, but back way back in 2014 and 15, they made $3 a share and $2 and 29 cents a share. So they did really well back then. The stock got up as high as $53, but their earnings are weaker Earnings are growing, though. Sales are flat. They were shrinking, now they're flat. It looks like they're trying to turn the ship around to me. Um, And that's what they're doing. So the dividend is, I don't know what the dividend is because there's none listed here. But the question is, have they turned the ship around? Institutions are buying. They think so. And they do have very strong cash flow. I mean, the cash flow is $4.72 a share. It's a $13 stock. That's a huge cash flow. Problem is, is that's not turning into a lot of profits yet. Anyways, kind of, part of me kind of likes it, but I, I'd have to check it deeper. Check out the debt. I think I would look closer into that. Okay, uh, this is Investor.com, Steve Peasley. So why are we here? Why am I doing this podcast? You know I. I tell you every day, I like to help you. I want to help you with your strategies. I want to help with the volatility of the market. I want to help you, you know, reach that elusive goal of financial freedom. You can do it. It's not impossible. You just have to set the goal, whatever goal is for you, and then work on it. I mean, you have to be diligent about it. You can't just be slack about it. you got to work at it. But it's very achievable. We're heading into a break, and the Invest Talk Anytime listener line is always open. It's open right now. 888-99-CHART is our number. So before the before the, before the break, let's go to uh, the core logic case Schiller uh, national home price. This is twenty selected cities they check, and they check for costs of uh, prices for homes. 
and I've talked about this quite often in the past, and they have spiked here in the most recent report. Now, the one problem you're having, remember, I know Justice talked about it, I've mentioned it, is the existing home sales are are high, but they would be a lot higher if there was inventory. That lack of inventory, that lack of inventory, means that prices go up. Supply and demand, simple as that. You add to that the builders and they're building new homes and you add the high spike in cost of wood and copper and everything else that goes into home, prices have spiked. I don't, you know, people have been asking me, do you think we're in a bubble in these houses? So, uh, there's a lot of elements that tell me that we're not in a bubble yet. But I think the prices are all going to be driven by interest rates, mortgage rates. And, you know, if they stay low, the longer they, this, they stay at these very low rates, the higher chance of a bubble being produced. I just don't see it yet for various reasons. You know what the signs of a bubble to me in the housing market would be is, you know, the banks get crazy and, you know, even though they might be raising the rates, they loosen up their standards of lending. That's more risky. The standards of lending get very loose. And that's where a bubble be, be, gets produced because they should lend, lend, to people, lend money to people they shouldn't be lending to. We saw that in 2008. Okay? Okay, here is a, here's my investor. We talk about the unit. We've we got a break coming up, so i got to get the trivia question in. So I want to talk about the U.S. national debt. Politicians claim to be concerned... Yet the overspending still continues. It doesn't look like they're very concerned to me. So as we go to the break, here's the question. Since March of 2020, not that long ago, at least an additional $4.7 trillion of treasury securities have been piled onto the incredibly already high U.S. debt. So just who's buying our debt? Who is it? After the break, I will supply the answer. But for now, my phone lines are open, and I encourage you to invest with some questions. 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers. Whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. 
AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. When you tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk podcast downloads, let them know they can choose an episode that covers their topic of interest. Download free anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or investtalk.com. 888-99 chart. I asked a trivia question before the break. Okay, so here it is. Since March of 2020... At least an additional $4.7 trillion of debt, treasury securities. That's how we get debt. You know, we issue treasury securities, therefore our government owes that money back to someone buys them from them, right? So that is really high, okay? So this is debt that we owe. The U.S. national debt has been decades in the making. But starting in March of 2020, it became the incredibly spiking U.S. national debt. It is... It is very dangerous. So, since that time, 15 months ago, the U.S. national debt has spiked $4.7 trillion. It is now about $28.14 trillion. $28. That really not the whole story either. Okay, that's equivalent to about 128% of our GDP in current dollars. So, who's buying or financing our debt? The Fed and other players, even China, has nibbled again. After Japan and China, the 10 biggest foreign holders include tax havens, while U.S. corporations have mailbox entities where some of their treasury holdings are registered. But Germany and Mexico, with which the U.S. has massive trade deficits, are in the 17th and 24th place. Here is the partial list of U.S. debt holders. U.K., City of London, Financial Center, $443 billion. Ireland, $309 billion. Luxembourg, $283 billion. Brazil, $255 billion. Switzerland, $255 billion. And the list goes on. I mean, it's just on and on and on. When will our politicians stop this crazy spending? Can they stop? So we, the whole world, we owe billions, trillions of dollars to the whole world. Okay. At some point, they're going to say, hey, U.S., you need to pay more interest than what you're paying. 
Because for 10-year treasuries, what, 1.6%, 1.7%? That's all they're getting paid. Now, like Germany, that's a lot because their national debt, they're not paying anything. So, so, so yeah, this, this, this low debt, no interest, uh, I don't know, environment we find ourselves in can't last. It can't. We just don't know what's going to happen. Okay, let's go to Mary in Irvine. How you doing, Mary? Hi, Steve. Thank you, you so much for taking my uh-huh. call. I have a um, question regarding two stocks. One is H-S-Y. The other one is S-H-A-K. I don't have any position. I want to know your thoughts to buy these two stocks for a long term. Thank you so much. Okay. Let's look at Hershey, which is H-S-Y, Hershey Company, headquarters in Hershey, Pennsylvania, manufactures chocolate, non-chocolate products, gum, mints, baking ingredients, chocolate drink mixes. That's Hershey. Okay, um, they are, they've made money, for made money forever. They're a very steady company. They're going to make $6.81 this year. They made $6.20 last year, $5.79 the year before. Next year, they're going to make $7.31. So they really didn't slow down much. Sales have been increasing 4 to 13% for the last three quarters, increasing. The stock is $174. They're going to make $7.31. So we're talking about a 23-24 PE ratio. Their five-year range is 18 to 28. Return on equity is very high, 66%, very high cash flow, and they only pay 1.8% dividend. So the value of the stock is a fair value at the current price. It's not cheap, but it's also not expensive. Okay, so, you know, this is one where you really want to buy it on a pullback. If it gives you a decent pullback, you buy Hershey, um, and you leave it in your portfolio for a long time. The lower the price, the higher your, your, your dividend yield. Um, it's at $174. It based for a long time between $145 to $155 for a long time. And then it broke out. Now it's making a run. I'd wait for pullback. I'd like to see it pull back in the 160 area, 155, 157 to maybe 163. In that range would be a better buy point. That's where I would like it. If you were going to buy it, I'd wait for that. And I said, all right, I just can only get to one question, one stock at a time. You can't ask two because it's just, you know, I got to move along because we have so many callers and the voice bank and I need to get to them. And as you know, here at Investor, we welcome both live and, you know, live in-show calls. And I love those. But we also have that recording calls we have to get to. We call it our voice bank. Uh, they, these are questions that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hi, I'm from Illinois. I inherited 30 stocks, and I was wanting to uh, trim them down to 30. Do you have any idea of how I should do that? I know that I want to have dividend stocks and stocks that are, you know, high value rather than growth stocks. If you could talk about that. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, that's what, then if that's your that's your focus is to say, hey, I want value stocks that pay dividends. First, then the first filter you do to get rid of some of the stocks, look for those stocks that don't pay dividends. 
And those stocks that don't pay dividends, are they high growth? Are they high growth in sales and high growth in earnings? Are they just okay? Any of the okay, you just get rid of right away. The rest, you may say, well, let's put a stop in there. If they keep going up, I'll hold on to them. But if they start to slow down or they already slowed down, I want to get rid of them. So that will pare down your list, you know, pretty good. Uh, looking for the dividends and looking for um, uh, value. And the, the problem is, is you have to understand what value is, and that's difficult sometimes. So I give you a hint. Look for the bigger, keep the bigger blue chip stocks that pay nice dividends, and they don't seem to be overly priced. Um, so in other words, their PE is below 15, some of them even below 10. Okay, then those are the ones you're looking for. And then you could, you know, if you have more than 30 stocks, you can trim them down to 30, add to those that are look really a good bargain price. So that's what I first would do. Get rid of the ones that don't pay dividends since that's your focus. That's pretty simple. See what that, how many that reduces your number two. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. If you want to, you know, like it's hard. If you send me the list of your stocks, I'll be happy to take a look at them and say, okay. And you give me the criteria. I don't. I want high dividend paying stocks. I don't want. I want value. I want, you know, some some safer type positions. And I can help you with that. I can help with help you do that. Okay. So give me a call. Okay. On almost every podcast, I like to reserve a little bit of time to remind listeners about. You know, the benefits of our firm, Justin Klein and I have uh, KPP Financial. We are based in Irvine, California, uh, in Orange County, you know, Southern California. Here on Investalk um, and at KPP Financial, we operate with a pretty simple philosophy, independent thinking, and shared success. And what that really means when I talk about shared success, that means we practice what we call parallel investing, meaning I buy the same thing for me as I do for my clients and all my programs. We have five or six programs. I buy the same stock, same price, same percentage, so that my performance matches our clients. We put our money where our mouth is. That's called parallel investing. Okay, we call it parallel investing. You know, I, don't, I don't know what other people call it. And not too many people do that. I mean, uh, there were years and years and years where we were the only ones doing it, but I've seen advertisements for people doing the sim- something similar now. Okay, um, we'll be happy to help you even if you don't become a client. You can send us a copy of your portfolio. We'll take a look at it, make suggestions based on what you want. You know, we have that risk questionnaire on our website that helps us determine how much risk you want to take. You know, it's a simple conversation, and that's a simple risk test, and it's not, nothing's complex, but it helps us decide where, you know, when you send us a portfolio, I need to know, well, what do you want to be? What kind of investor, like the previous caller? kind of investor do you want to be? And we do this all for free. I mean, there's no obligation. We don't. There's no pressure. We don't do that. I don't do that. Never have. We like to help you. We want to help you. All you do is give us a call or send us an email. 888-99-CHARTER is our number. Next up, we will play a question from a listener in Ohio. We'll be right back. There is good news for loyal Invest Talk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime, typically each day and night. 
The Invest Talk Call Center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi guys, big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Nick from Ohio. Thank you for everything that you do. I just have a quick question about Atlas Air, ticker symbol A-A-W-W. I bought it a while back. I just didn't know if there's any more information you guys can give me on it. Thank you. Yeah, Atlas Air Worldwide Holdings provides airport and airport-to-airport scheduled services to airlines, freight forwarders. I kind of like the company, even though I don't care for the airline industry. Never have for some reason. Um... They're going to make $12.97 a share this year, then $10.79 a share last year. I mean, next year. Last year, they made $14.20, so I'm not sure why their earnings per share is going down when sales, I mean, it's a growth stock. Sales are last quarter 34% growth, before that 25%, before that 25%, before that 24%. So it's a $2.1 billion company. They're going to make $10.79, and the stock is $73.22. Meaning, it's only a 10 PE, right, or less, nine. Okay, return on equity is 19%, which is very high. Cash flow is very high at 25%, and not a tremendous amount of debt. So this is a gross stock that has elements of value. In other words, it's not that expensive. I'm concerned is why is the earnings per share going down from 2020 2021 going down 9%, 2022 going down 17%. Why is that happening while the sales growth is going up? That doesn't make sense to me. Why? Until I had that answer, I wouldn't be a buyer of this stock. I just would not. Okay, we um, up next, we will play a question from my listener. Oh, we already did that. Let's keep moving. Here comes a question from New York. It came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Jake from New York. Uh, I love your show. I listen almost every day for the past, like, four months now. I'm calling about ticker symbol NUE, Nucor Corp. They are a steel manufacturer. Um, I'm back in school right now trying to finish up my bachelor's degree, and one of our textbooks mentioned them as an example of a company with, like, very good management principles and practices. And I was looking to getting into the steel industry, and I was wondering what you guys think of it as a long-term hold. Thank you so much. Looking forward to hearing your answer on the show. Bye. Well, this is a steel producer, Nucor, symbol NUE. Manufacture steel and steel products for the automotive, construction, machinery, and appliance industries. It's going to make $12.14 a share this year after making only $3.31. So remember, think about that. $3.31 last year per share, they're going to make $12 this year. Then it's going to go back next year to $5.66. So that $12 a share is an outlier. I don't know what that's about. Did they buy a company? Uh, and uh, what happened there? So I would find out there. But $5, I do $5.86 earnings per share to evaluate this company. It's a $100 stock. 
So that's a 20 PE, right? 20. The five-year range is 6 to 28. Sales growth the last quarter was up 25%. Quarter before that, up 3. And then all the quarters for that for two years shrank. So this is a commodity play, right? We've been mentioning that. Steel company. Commodities are really going high. Woods, everything. Everything commodities prices are going out of the crazy. And that's why these companies are making more and more and more money. And I think it's going to last a long time. But I think you're a little bit late for to this party on Nucor. I would wait for a decent pullback because it's run up so much. And I'd wait for a pullback to around the $80 area before I'd be a buyer. It's too late. You're chasing performance, and I don't want you to chase performance. Chasing performance is usually not a good idea. I, in other words, you want to see a pullback. It's risen so fast in a short period of time. Let's wait for that pullback to see where it comes from, see what happens. Usually... You get a pullback in the summer, and usually you get a rally in the summer. So let's see if we get a pullback, how much of a pullback if we do get it. This is Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, and it's always the same. Achieve financial freedom for everybody. That's our goal, and that we will continue to pursue that goal after this break. 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. My question has to do with insuring residential rental properties. Got a question for Steve or Justin? What do you think a target price to get in would be? You're the best person to ask it. 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. I was wondering if you can explain a little bit about what happens during a 401k rollover. It's something that I've done recently, and I was just a little bit confused in terms of what happens. Say, for example, you had bought into an index fund earlier on when it was cheaper, and then you sell it. Do you then get back into the market? Do you have to sell it when you're rolling over, and then do you have to buy it? Is it effectively kind of a buy and sell situation there? I'm just not really sure how it works, and I wondered if there were ever times when rollovers don't make sense when you leave a company. I'd love to hear your thoughts just kind of on the intricacies of that because it's a little bit confusing. Thank you. Bye. Okay, that's a good question. Uh, for, when you leave an employer's an employee, an employer that has a 401k, in other words, you have a 401k with your old employer and you go to a new employer, there's two things you can do. You can roll it over into an IRA. You can roll it over into the new 401k. Most people choose to roll it over into an IRA. Now, the, what really happens is when you own things in that 401k and your old employers, you're usually owning mutual funds. That's the typical thing that you own. Now, some of these mutual funds are not freely traded on the, in the public. They are Some of them are. So many times you can... Most of the time, you have to sell them, where sell those mutual funds in your old 401k, roll the cash into IRA, and then go buy something else. You can buy the same type of mutual fund. 
In other words, if you had an S&P 500 that you sold, you can buy a new one. Remember, there's no tax consequences here because they're an IRA. So they're not paying taxes. There's no capital gains or anything. Sometimes you can roll all, uh, from that mutual from that old 401k and roll it into an IRA and just roll over the funds and whatever else you own in that old 401k. That's more unusual than usual. But sometimes you can. So you may need help with deciding whether you can or cannot do that. And what you then talk to whoever the custodian is. For, for myself, if people roll old 401ks and IRAs, we help them with that if they want to become a client with us. But you can do it without people like me. You can do it all on your own. You just got to find the right person to talk to at the new custodian, wherever your rollover IRA is going, and they'll help you with that. But, you know, there's no one specific answer. But most of the time, you have to sell the position and roll the cash over. But not all the time. Okay? Good question. Appreciate that question. Okay. Um, talking about 401ks, many people forget and leave their old 401k where they are. Then years and if there's not a lot of money, they kind of just forget about it and they don't remember where it is or how they They don't get statements anymore. You know the, who You know who gets that money? The state gets that money. It's called that money, all that money that people forget in banks and investment accounts. If you don't do anything after five years, that money has to go to the state. Now, you still can get it back, but you have to know how to do it. What do you do? So, the first thing you do is you check with the state treasury sites. Make sure it's at the state treasury sites. In other words, the .com should be .gov. Okay, and most of the states have a search, a search system to search under your name, under Social Security, for any accounts they may have taken over. Then you can file and get your money back. Okay, if if you don't, if, if they don't have, the next thing you can do is call your old company. Talk to the investment department or talk to a personnel. It depends how big that company was. Okay? Try to find your old custodian. They'll still have your records on the books under your name and social security number, and you can go that route to try to track down your money. Those are the two main ways you can track your old 401ks, IRAs, and try to find your money. Okay? Don't forget about it. That's why I tell people, you know, uh, consolidate your statements. Don't have a bunch of them hanging out there because you'll lose track. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for joining us again, as you do every day at this time. And you, and we would like you to tell your friends and family about us. We would. Uh, so you can get your InvestTalk downloads, the podcasts, through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com. And be sure to review and rate us. We really appreciate that. You can browse by uh, the podcast topics, which is fairly new. So if you want to learn more about a specific topic, 401ks, that we talked about a lot today, you can do that. Real estate, treasury yields, you can buy topic. Independent things, share success, everybody. This is the best talk. Have a great night. 
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.